writing, but I'm going to pray for us as we begin and go into the book of Mark today. So let's pray together. God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the time we can come and celebrate the birth of a Savior coming into the world. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. So thank you that we can gather here in person and gather online if people are listening even right now. Thank you for that. And just the opportunity to lift up the name of Jesus and all that he is and all that he does for people. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, you can keep writing throughout. You can keep thinking about that question that you have in front of you. Who is Jesus to you? Now, why have this question on Christmas Sunday? You may ask that to yourself. You're like, I came here Christmas Sunday, and I want to see a message from Matthew or Luke. Why are we in Mark? Well, we've been going through Mark, right? If you've been here... With us, we've been going through the gospel according to Mark, and we've landed on this section, which I think is important, because this question, who is Jesus to you, is the most important question you will ever ask yourself. That's what I believe. That's what other people believe, I think, too. That's the most important question in life. Who is Jesus to you? I've asked people this week, Who is Jesus to you? And I want to share some of them with you. I've asked someone, who is Jesus to you? They said, Jesus was a regular man, but a prophet with plenty of advice for folks. That was one person's answer. Another one said, Jesus is God. Another one, Jesus is Messiah, Emmanuel, friend, brother, Savior, Lord, God, Redeemer, Son of God. And he went on and on and on and on. And another one recently, I asked him, I was like, who is Jesus to you? And he said, Jesus is the bridge that allows me to keep going. And he explained that because he said, all the suffering and hardships that I've been going through in life, Jesus got me through them. He's the bridge that got me over those trials. Those were some of the answers that I got this week, asking the question to people. But that's the most important question. And something interesting, I did some investigating, quick math things in my head this week. I went to the gospel according to Mark, and I said, why is this so important, this question, who is Jesus to you? If you look at the, I'm going with the NIV, my Bible right here, okay? So if you want to look in your Bible and try to, if it matches up, I think it should. But I looked, who is Jesus to you? In this passage we're in now, there's seven and a half chapters before Jesus asked the question, who is Jesus? Or who do you say that I am to Peter? There's seven and a half chapters before that. And after it, there's eight and a half chapters. So it's roughly in the middle, right? And I looked at the verse numbers, okay? There's 314 verses before you are the Messiah, Peter says. And there's 352 verses after you are the Messiah. So it's roughly in the middle, right? Isn't that so cool? The central question we have to ask ourselves, the most important question we have to ask ourselves, is right in the center of Mark's Gospel. Who is Jesus to you? That's what 
the question is. It's in the middle of this gospel. That's so cool. I just thought that we could stop there and be like, that's amazing. When we see Jesus clearly and who Jesus is, I believe lives are changed. But you have to see Jesus clearly. David E. Garland in his commentary said this, Christians believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that He is sufficient for all their needs, and then they live their belief. So, Christians believe Jesus, yes, Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and sufficient for everything we need, and then they live what they believe about Jesus. Because they answered the question, Who is Jesus to them? If we're a believer in Jesus, we've answered that question already, but then we live out that belief. That's what David E. Garland mentions. So let's read this context, this text for us today. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 27. This is roughly in the middle of Mark's gospel. So here we go. Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went on to villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when He comes in His Father's glory with the holy angels. And He said to them, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. Gospel according to Mark. This section comes to us. Jesus and His disciples. Remember, they just left the scene. Jesus healed the blind man. He spit on His eyes. He didn't see clearly at first. He touched Him again. He saw clearly. And now you get this. Jesus and His disciples went on to the villages. So they're on the way to other villages. They're going north from Bethsaida to Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus on the way... Do you ever start walking with somebody and they ask you a question and you're like, I don't want to talk while I'm walking or running. I don't like talking while I'm driving. 
That's hard for Kelsey when she's asking me a question. I don't like to talk when I drive for some reason. But when they're on the way, Jesus turns to his disciples and said, Hey, who do people say I am? He asks them a question. And they reply, right? They reply what people are saying. They say, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. They didn't answer wrongly. This is what people are saying. Okay, if you go back to chapter 6, these are the same answers that are mentioned there. And Herod himself said this in chapter 6, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. This is who Jesus is. It's John the Baptist who I beheaded. That's what Herod himself said about Jesus. So the disciples answer Jesus' question with answers that have already been mentioned in the gospel according to Mark. They answer right. But look at 29. The first word is the key word, but. I think it's a quick switch. I think the disciples were like, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, one of the prophets, and then Jesus looks at them, stops them in their tracks and says, but who do you say that I am? Looks probably right at them like, but what about you disciples? You've been traveling with me for so long now. You've seen teachings, miracles, healings, but I want to know who you say I am. When you look at the word there, it's in opposition of what other people are saying, okay? So if somebody asks you a question and you answer it like one of the wise person or the advice of somebody else or a doctor's point of view, and then somebody looks at you and says, no, I want to know what you say. I don't want what the experts say. I know all those. I want to know what you say about it. Have you ever been asked that? Like you, you get asked a question and you say, well, this person said this, this person said this, and they stop you and say, no, 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 I want what you say. I want to know what you want to know. I want to know what you say. So Jesus doesn't want what the other people say. He wants to know what his close disciples want, how to answer this. And who speaks up? None other than Peter, right? If you look at the Gospels, you know, Peter's kind of the spokesperson of the disciples. He always speaks up. And what's his answer? You are the Messiah. Is that the correct answer? Is it the correct answer? Yeah. You are the Messiah. Okay, the anointed one, the Christ, the Savior of the world. He answers correctly. But then, okay, Jesus warns him not to tell anyone. And so he goes on and talks about he's going to die the Son of Man's going to suffer and eventually die. He spoke plainly about this. You know, that just amazes me how Mark writes down this. Jesus spoke plainly about him dying. Like the disciples should have known. This is who, what I have to do. But when Jesus turned, so Peter takes him aside we don't know what Peter's saying, but he's rebuking Jesus. He's probably saying, what are you talking about? You're not going to die. But quickly, Jesus turned and looked at his disciples. So he's looking at his disciples, 
And Peter's probably behind him. I just picture that. But he's rebuking Peter. He says, get behind me, Satan. Don't be rebuking me like that. This is what I have to do. Get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Remember, what's the scene they just came from? He healed the blind man, right? He healed the blind man to see clearly. But if you even go before that, what was the last scene? Remember, do you still not understand? Remember the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000. And Jesus looks at him and says, you don't understand, disciples, what I'm doing. You don't understand all that's happening. And now here, Peter says, you are the Messiah. That's correct. And then Jesus talks about him having to go die. And Peter takes him aside and said, rebukes him. We don't know what he said. And, Peter sa- and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You don't have the concerns of God in your mind. Isn't that the passage, the context that we're in? Do you, see, do you still not understand, disciples? And then he heals the blind man. Remember the blind man's like, I see people walking like trees. That's kind of like the disciples. They can't see very clearly yet. They know some things, but they just see things with the trees walking, like we do sometimes. And then the blind man gets healed completely, his sight's restored. And now here Peter says, you're the Messiah, Jesus. That's a clear vision of who Jesus is, right? Yes? That's the clearest thing you can say about Jesus, is the Messiah. And Peter has 20-20 vision. Remember last week, it's not perfect vision, but it's normal vision. He sees clearly who Jesus is. You're the Messiah. But then all of a sudden, Jesus is talking about him going to die. And Peter's like, ooh, I don't understand maybe what's going on here. So he's not seeing very clearly still. Just like, do you still not understand? And then, this is where David Garland comes in, I believe. Christians believe that Jesus is the Christ that is sufficient for all needs, and then they live their belief. Then Jesus says, come here, crowds. Okay? So in verse 34 there. So Jesus is with his disciples at first. Only the disciples. He's on the way asking him, who do people say I am? And then Peter says, you're the Messiah. I'm going to die. But then Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples. So he's getting a bigger crowd so everybody can hear this. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Jesus taught the way of a disciple. He had his own disciples. Remember, they're traveling with him. They're studying under Jesus. But now he calls the crowd with his disciples and says, whoever wants to be my disciple. This is to the crowds too. And this is to us here today. If you want to be a disciple of mine, Jesus is saying, you have to do three things. You must deny yourself, you must take up your cross, and follow me. Those are the three things that Jesus requires of a disciple. And you may be asking, well, what do those mean? We're not going to go into detail, detail, but here's an idea, and if you... You know, look at your answer again 
on your, or, or your purple or white piece of paper, and you're thinking about this question, who is Jesus to you? And if we answer like Peter, you're the Messiah, this is how we need to be living as a disciple of that rabbi, that Messiah, the Savior of the world. Deny yourselves. The word deny there, to forget oneself, lose sight of oneself and one's own interests. So we have a total change on the outlook of what we're looking at in life. Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you have to deny everything you like, your interest, your ways of doing things, and turn toward me and my interest, my ways of doing things. That's what denying yourself means. It's a change of lifestyle. It's a change of interest. You have Jesus' interest in mind. And then you have, take up your cross and follow me. So Jesus, just re- previously to the disciples, is talking about, I have to, I'm basically going to suffer and I'm going to be killed and after three days rise again. We have to take up our cross and follow Jesus. One thing I thought about at my desk, I was like, this world is not easy. This Christian life is not easy. It's a hard life. You may have to go through suffering. You may have to go through trials. But that's taking up your cross. That's living life for Jesus. And then he says, follow me. Some of us might have the deny ourselves. Yeah, I I know that it's wrong. I need to look at the interest of Jesus and God. I'm taking up my cross, but I'm still following my own ways. We don't follow Jesus wholeheartedly sometimes. But Jesus says, follow me at the very end there, which is probably important, right? Right? To follow Jesus is important. And then he goes on to say this. If you skip down to verse 38. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. I looked up ashamed, yes. This is the definition of ashamed. In the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, reluctant or unwilling to do something because of shame or embarrassment. An example sentence on the Merriam-Webster.com website was this, I was ashamed to be seen with him. Are we ever ashamed to being a follower, a disciple of Jesus? hey, I heard you follow Jesus. Tell me about that. And you're like, well, you heard wrong. I was ashamed to be seen with him. What if Peter said, you're the Messiah. He said, you're the Messiah. Jesus says, I need to die. And Peter takes him aside, rebuking him. And then he calls the crowd and he says, this is how you need to be living. And then we'll get to the end of Jesus' life. Peter did deny Jesus, right? But what happened after Jesus came back to life, resurrected and appeared to His disciples and ascended into heaven? What happened to Peter? Did he shrink back and say, 
oh, this isn't for me. What did he do? He changed the world, right? Him and Paul, as we read in the New Testament, Acts. But Peter changed the world in some respect because he knew that I need to stand up for Jesus. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. He was maybe for a little bit at the end of Jesus' life as he died, but now he's saying, I'm not ashamed to be seen with Jesus anymore. So the question again, are we ever ashamed to being a follower, disciple of Jesus? If somebody knows you're following Jesus, do you stand up for Jesus? Do you say, hey, we shouldn't be gossiping about this person, this coworker. He's not even here. She's not even here. So stop talking. Or do we go along with it? We need to stand up and say, hey, that's wrong. I followed Jesus and he said it was wrong. So let's change our behavior. It's just eye-opening because if we're ashamed of Jesus, the Son of Man will be ashamed of you or me when He comes in His Father's glory. So back to your slip of piece of paper. Okay? Who is Jesus to you? When we see Jesus clearly, last week, 2020 vision, it's not perfect vision, but it's clear vision, it's normal vision. If we see Jesus who, as He truly is, I think our lives are going to be changed. You're not going to live the same life as you did before. I don't think it's possible. Well, it is if you just... It's possible, but... If you're truly seeing Jesus clearly, I don't think it's possible to not have your life changed. I know I probably made no sense because that didn't make sense in my mind. But if we're seeing like Peter, you're the Messiah, Jesus. If we really believe that and really write that down in ink, not a pencil and erase it every so often, if you really believe that, I think your life and believe your life's going to be changed. And that's when that comes into play. You're going to deny yourself, you're going to take up your cross, and you're going to follow Jesus to the very end and not be ashamed of Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. So we deny ourselves. We repent of our sins. We say, we are sinners. Because who's a sinner? Everybody. We deny ourselves. We say, I need a Savior. We repent of our sins. We say, Jesus, you're the only one that can save. We confess that. We're baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And we're raised to a new life because the Holy Spirit comes in us. That's the, one of the best gifts you can receive on Christmas Day. The Holy Spirit. So that's denying yourself. And then you take up your cross. Like I said earlier, the Christian life is not easy. Who agrees with that? If you look around, there's hands everywhere. The Christian life is not easy. The road that leads to life, true life, is hard and difficult. Jesus taught about two roads. The narrow road that you go to life, that leads to life, is hard and difficult. It's not easy. So that's taking up your cross. It's not an easy life. And then you have 
Follow Jesus. Jesus says, follow me. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Colossians. And this is going to be where we're ending here. So you deny yourselves. You repent of your sins. You confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. You're baptized into Christ. Then that's, you're raised to a new life, so you're taking up your cross. It's not easy, but it's, it's Jesus now. You have Jesus with you. And then Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. This is following Jesus. Paul writes, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, Messiah, Continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. In Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In Him you were also circumcised with the circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through your faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in this uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. We follow that Messiah. We follow Jesus, who's the greatest example in life. Because He's done so much for us. Peter said, remember, you are the Messiah. And Jesus says, well, if you say that, Peter, this is how you need to be living. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Me. Christmas Day, 2022, might be the best day of your life if you have written on this card, who is Jesus to you? And if you've answered like Peter did, you are the Messiah. And you take that step, right? You say, I'm publicly going to say, I need Jesus. If you've answered that, you are the Messiah and haven't made that decision, what a wonderful decision on Christmas Sunday, right? Pray with me as we sing our last song, before we sing our last song. But that decision is the best one you'll ever make. Jesus is Messiah. I'm going to pray a song for you. This is Look What You've Done as a Prayer by Tree 63. So let's pray. Look what you've done for me. 
Your blood has come to set me free. Jesus, my Lord, look what you've done for me. I haven't been the same ever since that day I called your name. Look what you've done for me. What can, what can you do? What can do for you, my Lord? I want you to know my heart is yours. It's not the question of what you can do for me. What can I do for you, my Lord? Up to the cross I crawled. Now I'm standing ten feet tall. Jesus, my Savior, look what you've done for me. Now I'm free at last. I'm free. I owe you my life completely. Look what you've done for me. What can I do for you, my Lord? I want you to know my heart is yours. It's not the question of what you can do for me. What can I do for my Lord? Hallelujah. Oh Lord, Peter's confession seems simple, but at the same time, it's a difficult one. Because when we proclaim Jesus, you're the Messiah, that means our life has to change. And the change happens because you changed our lives. Because you sent Jesus into the world as a baby to take away sins of the world. Jesus the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. I pray that whoever is here today listening, that they answered that question and now they want to make it real and they want to say, Jesus, you can only save me. I want you as my Savior. I pray that they would do that today and help those who have been following Jesus to continue to answer that question, who is Jesus? And then when we answer that question, our lives are going to continue to change and grow and learn and bring others to Jesus. So thank you for Christmas time where we can celebrate the Messiah coming into the world. Emmanuel, God with us. In Jesus' name, amen.